1: Welcome back, Bayside! Streaming only on Peacock. Can't wait to start junior year. Saved by the Bell is back. This is gonna be awesome! And taking school spirit? Our Bibles just destroyed our mascot. We're gonna crush Valley. To the max. If we don't learn from the past, we are doomed to repeat it. That's why we have all these reboots of teen shows from the 90s. Get a new idea, Hollywood. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now.
0: Let's do this, baby.
1: Only on Peacock.
0: Mirror nine,
1: mirror nine. You twist into my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror nine. Good morning and welcome to an On the Whistle podcast by the Arsenal Opinion. I'm here with Matt Candela. How you doing, Matt? Very good, Pete. Very good. Much uh, I- better now. No, And there was no organising today, just going to get straight into this one. We haven't had a moment like this in like 15
0: years or something. <laughs> it feels like that. It's been, it's been a barren two months. It's been utterly miserable. Uh, we were all expecting the worst. And then uh, the ghost of uh, Arteta returned. You know, it was, it was, it was vintage Mikel came back.
1: Uh, yeah, completely. Uh, he got back to basics. Uh, he picked players, I mean, I'm assuming on, on merit. And he put in a like a hardworking, doggy performance that was like almost a year to the day. I think we lost to Chelsea last year. They changed things up at half-time. But no mistake this year, Chelsea at home. Um phenomenal performance, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it felt like um it felt like the first game of a new manager today. You know, a bit of a, a fresh team, um, everyone running for the for the manager. Um completely different from what preceded it i mean it's a shame <laughs> that a year on it feels like the first game under a new manager and we're still talking like that but hey uh we've got to take it but um this now has to be the start of um you know a a, a new era because it's been absolute dross for so long and yeah you know we when the team came out um we were i think hopeful but also scared at how desperate it looked. Yeah, you know, I, like I, I didn't
1: I didn't read it that way. Um I, I know a lot of people were like this is a really desperate starting 11. Go well y- you know what there isn't a starting 11 for the last 3 months that is going to drop a performance against Chelsea. This idea that uh like changing things to actually operate in the in your vision of of what the system should be seemed like completely the right move. I I took great offense to people saying that um the, the Smith-Rowe selection. I, I really didn't like it. I had you know, people in my WhatsApp watching people on Twitter saying that that was the desperate move. I thought the desperate move was uh, was Jacker, But the um, the Smith-Rowe one didn't faze me at all. I'm like, we don't have anybody that can run. Um, we don't have anybody that can create. He came on and had a bit of a cameo appearance against Manchester City and created almost instantly. And I know we spoke at half-time, Matt, but... Uh, and and uh, you know, you sort of brought me down to earth a little bit on Smith Rowe, but you you called it exactly right. Uh, Smith Rowe showed what having a player like Meza Ozil in the squad, even at half his powers for the last three months, could have done. Because I thought Smith Rowe looked comfortable, um, a little bit nervous, but he just linked the play nicely. He you know, even for throw ins, he was moving. Did you notice that he'd always sort of offer an option, um, behind the, the, the play? So i was uh, I was thrilled at that, and i di- i didn 't think that that was the move of a desperate manager. I thought that was the move he should have made three months ago
0: yeah, well, I think that's that's the reason why people are saying was it the move of a desperate manager because surely there have been opportunities over the course of this season to blood him and give him you know sixty minutes here, thirty minutes here um, and you know we just we, we just played Southampton a week ago or whatever it was at home you know, wasn't that an opportunity because, you know, in your mind, you know, Chelsea is one of the best teams in the league and it's a, it's a hard team to be thrown in against. They're a very mature team in the way that they typically um, manage games. So I was, I was worried about that. But, you know, he looked confident from the first minute. He had good touches. He had good touches early on that I think is important. Yeah, you know, he, he got off to a good start um, and look, we've been so craving creativity. And it's also one of the good things about having some young players in the team. You know, they only have to look over at Bu- Bukayo Saka and go, you know, the way he has become such a stalwart of the first team in, in such a short period of time and is the same age, he is showing the path for all young players on how to do it at Arsenal. Um, so I think he's making it easier for them to follow in his footsteps. But you know, I always say it. You know, within five minutes, whether Arsenal are up for it, and you knew Agreed. against United, you knew against United at Old Trafford. You've known all these other games where the first halves have been terrible, and then we've come out and we've, you know tried to lift it up. But you know, in the first five minutes, whether you've got an Arsenal team, and today we had one. But you've got to ask the question: Why? Why has it taken this long? to just put the effort in it's the effort and you know we weren't amazing today but guess what when you work hard you get lucky and and i think that that's something that's just been been so missing and martinelli especially brought so much positive energy and the press that just you know disappeared for months was was back
1: yeah and um uh, it's it's worth sort of trotting over like some of the statistics that we haven't seen for a long time, Arsenal versus Chelsea. We we average about three shots a game, even against Burnley, Uh, 15 attempts, uh, seven shots on target. Chelsea had 19 attempts and they only had three on target. And I think actually they didn't really have a lot of good chances. um, In my opinion, both teams had two, two big chances as it were. Um, I, I think the, the big difference today was that COVID actually had a potential benefit on our season. Um, I, I thought the the big the big balls move for Arteta was that he dropped Willian and Luis against Chelsea. I know there's a story that they were sick and that maybe they'd been exposed to COVID or something or whether that was Gabriel. But um, Willian has been part of almost all of the games in the last three months where we've been utterly shite david luis and william causing problems behind the scenes to edu like I, i i can't imagine that that's that's been missed but regardless however we got to the 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 solution that players that don't want to do it should be dropped we got there and 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 that 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 today should have been the blueprint for the future And i think the only problem that we've got to worry about is um Mikel Arteta has been extremely wasteful with club resources. And from a politics perspective, uh, if he bins David Luiz, 160 grand a week, uh, William, 250 grand a week, Socrates, 90 grand a week, you start to look like you've got, you know, 800,000 a million pounds a week sitting on the bench. But it doesn't matter, does it? We're in the relegation zone with those players. So I I thought the biggest move today really was the absence of William and and Luiz. And the biggest move going forward, because we just played this, you know, one of the best teams in the country. Does Arteta see that as the way forward now? Does he, it, there's no excuse? Look,
0: I think, think? A, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And before the game, you know, I just started feeling really miserable because um, I was uh, wow. reading some tweets and it was basically saying, look, we've got 500,000 do- pounds or dollars pounds, I think, uh, tied up every single week in Aubameyang and William for the next yeah. three years, for the next three years, not for yeah. the next year, for the next three years. And that is a really, really, really depressing thought. Um, look, I think I was a good player, but to have that amount of your wage bill tied up in those two players is poor management. Um, and it really makes you realize that, you know, the most important person at a football club now is the technical director, even more than the manager in some ways because there's always another game. There's always another team that can be picked. But when you offer these types of contracts, it hamstrings the whole organisation. And it's a major problem. The Louise thing is less of a problem because he got a one-year extension. In the summer, he's going to be gone. Ozil's going to be gone. Socrates is going to be gone. Mustafi's going to be gone. This, But, but you know, so, um, you know, I, I I think on the... Res- you know, so at least that's going to that's gonna help us. On the resources thing, you know, people look at the amount of money that's being wasted when you're not winning games. No one's gonna, no one cares about Ozil not playing when you win, yeah, when true. you lose. So I think that Arteta's only strategy now is his, his better strategy rather than justifying outlays is just to win games. And if he can keep winning enough games, he'll keep uh, the wolves from the door, so to speak and then you know you just hope that maybe we can do it maybe we can just cut a deal and yeah. get rid of william but william's got he smells like a winston bogart to me he's going to be sticking around all three years he's not he's not no, going to go he doesn't
1: want to play he, well, he, he, you know he that was the craziest thing about the the william deal But william didn't want to move out of london and we uh, and we still offered him double the salary that chelsea had on offer like crazy and i think i, I think the point about the technical director is sound and this is, you know, this isn't me trying to cover for Mikel because Mikel's got his own problems. Um, but I, I don't know whether you, there's an athletic clip, there's an, a piece in The Athletic today. Uh, yeah. You know, a bit of an On, Edu. on Edu. It's, it's just this, this idea, like, th- there's, there's one line in it that really grabbed me uh, because it's what I always think. It's like, um, Edu looks really good and that goes a long way. It's like, what Arsenal source fed that into professional journalists that looking good is part of the role you know what you know what looks good as a technical director great decisions and a strategy and sticking to it um you know like runison coming in 17th worst goalkeeper um n- not even the first choice for dijon arsenal should have done better there willian on a three-year deal after all of the ozil problems david Luis getting another deal all of this being tied around super agents the, the truth is that like there might be one or two Arsenal sources that think that Edu is the real deal. That is not common consensus. They're football people. They understand what's going on. And the idea that we're about to go into January again with a rookie manager that got promoted to the same level as Edu and they're going to spend a bunch more money, like it, it, it beggars belief. But the one thing that I'm hoping for with Mikel Arteta is sometimes you do something in business and you're so shook by how bad the you know the, the the explosion is around that decision you never do it again and i'm hoping that michael arteta has learned his lesson players over 30 do not give a fuck about you your coaching or the future they just want to coast young players are hungry they might not be um hundred percent fully formed but no one can tell me that gabriel martinelli saka um and Emil Smith-Rowe didn't do a fantastic job today. Like, you know, there's quality issues, there's balls getting lost, but that felt like something interesting. The football was good at points,
0: right? It was. And then you you put, you know, uh, Tierney together. Um, I haven't liked Bellerin getting, uh, his name has been banded around with, with you know, Luis, Xhaka... Uh, Willian. For me, is a completely different kettle of fish. Bellerin is Arsenal through and through. He's had a major injury. He's come back from it. Is he the same player? Not sure. Uh, definitely an evolved player in that he used to rely so much more heavily on his pace. But he deeply cares about Arsenal Football Club. Uh, he's never let anyone down with his attitude. No one has ever criticised the way he prepares for games, performs for games. Sometimes he might not hit the required standards, yeah, his uh, ball is terrible, but 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 and the foul throw is was just uh, stupid. It's just stupidity from everyone. Stupidity to place so much emphasis on it. Stupidity on him for keeping on doing it. Hopefully, it's you know it it it's over now. But you know he, he is a promising part of a of a of a future team. Maybe it'll be good to sell him and make some money off him. Who knows? But he's not in the same camp as those other wasters. But you know there is the foundation of a decent team. Leno. Um, Great penalty save! Great penalty save! Bellerin, Tierney, Gabriel looks like a decent player. He's suffered a bit, but Tierney was phenomenal today. Tierney, especially first half, was outstanding. Yeah, Um, Martinelli, Saka, ESR. But you know, there's a rotten. There's a there's a there's a load of rotten. I mean, that sort of core, that midfield. The midfield stinks the place out. What can you do,
1: Matt? I Uh, I don't know what you thought, but like, I thought we had a really strong game. And then Pepe comes on, and the level dips.
0: Mustafi well, comes on, and the level yeah, dips. Well, I mean, we've got to get rid of Pepe. He's a waste of space. Go. He's just not good enough. Just got to get rid of him. Uh, got to get rid of William. Got to get rid of Louise. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Got to get rid of Lacazette. Like attitude, fine, great, but like attitude isn't everything. Probably yeah. got to get. Probably should try and sell Eddie. Not. And, he's not. He's not going. He's not going to make it. Um, and, and, but but I tell you what's depressing. It's it's Aaron Ramsey's thirtieth birthday today. Thirty. And look at, we replaced him with Danny Ceballos on loan, who is a pile of shit. Yeah, he's got a
1: It's just
0: shit. El Elneny, uh, Xhaka, uh, all these players. And for whatever you think of Aaron Ramsey, you know, he had end product. He stepped up. You know, he was a big Arsenal guy. He
1: needed coaching.
0: needed coaching, but but put him him under Arteta. And to think we let him go for free with all this dross and you can say, oh, but he wanted 250 grand a week. Well, we gave that to William. I mean, I'd rather have given it to Aaron Ramsey and have him. He gave up 200% in the last year of his contract after uh, he knew he was leaving. I mean, William's not giving 200%, and it's his first year. So, um, you know, I, the, the midfield's a total mess. Party is obviously the first step in terms of figuring that out, but um, it's going to it's going to need a lot more. Um, and it seems that, you know, the, the cultural shift that we need to happen, we thought that it was underway last year, but it feels like, I mean, we're, it feels like we're, we're, we're back to square one on, on that. And, yeah. and, 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 and the problem is that the decisions we've made around Suarez, Mari, William, I mean, they probably uh, solidified the, the crappy culture. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and
1: if, if Arteta is, they're going to stick with him. That's the that's the plan. You know the 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 puff piece in the athletic today. That was that was part of it. That you know that's that's been fed by Arsenal because I don't think anybody at Arsenal with true credibility would be feeding those stories into like you know good journalists. Um, but I think that if we're going to stick with Arteta, what we have to see moving forward is a clear recognition that mistakes have been made and not to make those mistakes again. And one of those mistakes that Arteta made in the summer in particular was he looked at the good performances of characterless players and he assumed that he would get them forever. He has learned the harshest of lessons. Like I don't care if Granit Xhaka scored a free kick from, you know, 25 yards today. I don't care that he played a beautiful ball into Tierney. He has to go. Um, Mo Nenny. I know he's a great guy behind the scenes. Everyone loves him. He's got this aura, this energy. Maradona hung out with him, but he's not at the level. And when you're looking at the things that we need to pick up in January, you can see why we're interested in someone like Jorginho. Like I think our past completion rate was like 69% today. We need a more efficient midfield. We need to find some sort of creativity that is of this era, but, also, like, do we want to be investing crazy money in January when we're going to get screwed again? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think that looking for lone players that fit the profile was probably a better option, but we cannot make the mistake again of assuming that, you know, that there's a fourth, you know, rebirth of Granite Jack or Romo, and then he's going to find it. Like, invest in the young players. Today was the blueprint for the rest of the season, in my opinion. It couldn't have happened against a tougher team.
0: No, I agree. I completely agree. And I think that, I mean, I saw you, I saw the, a couple of the pieces, your piece earlier, people have been highlighting that young uh, Reading player for 8 million, um, those types of players. But I, I'd be saying to Arteta our, our and Eddie is that you haven't, you haven't deserved any more money. You're not getting any till the summer. Uh, just show us in the second half of the season what you've got. Um, because you haven't earned it. You haven't shown any progress we can't yeah. trust you I, uh, and 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 if they are going to sh- going to present players to be signed then you know i want to f- i want a full dossier on performance potential resale value how they fit into the system i don't just want someone ambling over and go their mate knows a player who might be good you know it it can't work like that um and you know it, we, we've said it before and We feel better after after a win, obviously, but the whole system is so is so broken. Um, And I think what we saw today, I mean, Mikel looked like a man who, well, he looked like someone had just removed their foot from his neck, um, and he looked sort of genuinely relieved. But the and our, our only hope has to be that some he seems to have the young players still with him. It looked like a sort of relieved United team at the end. I mean, I'd be really interested to know whether the dressing room is split. You know, is it hairland uh, youngsters, sort of style versus, you know, the old guard? Or is everyone actually getting on fine? I mean, I've I, heard,
1: heard rumours that the senior players, certain senior players have turned against him. I think, and you know, it sounds like there's, you know, some merit to the rumours about Willian and Luis. It certainly sounds like it. Knocking on the technical director's door. That's why I hope today's um, dropping of those two players was, you know, remember when Almunia had a hurt his finger and it, Wenger just made it up to take him out of the the limelight. That maybe we maybe we take those players um, out of the spotlight for a few weeks. I don't I don't know what you do with them, and I'm sure the commercial pressure will be high. Um, to to play them but like look at that performance that was the first performance where you felt like everybody was pulling in the same direction and even that wasn't perfect I think the fact the fans would have forgiven where we were now if we'd if we'd done that in the summer like if if Mikel Arteta had I you know I think that we were kind of thinking in the summer he's pumping the value of these shit senior players he's going to sell them all so they can get a good club and then he's going to start again and he didn't he just doubled down
0: and now he's well, up. but i think there's two questions one is how much of that was a because he wanted to retain their services and how much of it was down to and I, which i which i think it probably was but i i like to think to make myself feel better about it that you know a covid summer um you know football disrupted in um in a number of countries even more seriously than it was here um played a part in us not being able to offload people. Um, so I don't know how much of it was enforced, but yeah, we, 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 we definitely thought there'd be more of a clear out. I mean, we we barely got rid of anyone. Um, and that, and that played a part. And, and look, ironically, it's, if it was as simple as, um, you know, we just go again and start building, then that would be fine. But really the two biggest black marks of these is the William signing and the Obama Yang signing. And, I think Oba, we we still believe he can come back and start scoring some goals. He got on the score sheet against Southampton. Um but I don't know what I don't know how we fix the Willian situation. It's three years is a very long time and it feels like we're just about to get rid of the Urza when we and we're gonna have another one on our books for another another two and a half years.
1: Yeah, you you wanna I I think the thing with Aubameyang is He's, he's a great finisher. He's always going to have that attribute. You just have to work out how to get the most of him. And I think in particular, in particularly this year, he's not had the sort of service that... No,
0: that
1: to, today,
0: today would have been a field day for one.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think that the, the, the way that you get around the Obamian problem is you surround him with pace, energy and, and quick balls because his game isn't really based on pace, in my opinion. Um, he's a bit like David Trezeguet. He just knows where to stand. He's a great sort of uh, box striker and you're always going to need that. The problem is William because he can't play off the last man because he's not fast enough. He's not talented enough to play in that sort of number 10 position and he doesn't look interested. And I think that the Dubai story going to hang out with Salt Bay just said it all. Like we've signed someone that wanted to just be near his family and he wanted a retirement fund. and. The, the, the biggest and the most damning part about that is Chelsea were offering him a two-year deal on 120 grand a week. He had nowhere else to go in London and we doubled his salary. And you've got to ask questions about that. And I'm, I'm not saying that this is like a Raul Signeli type deal, but what I am saying is it is so fucking stupid. It, it, you know, it, 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 it starts to push into you know gross misconduct sort of uh, behavior. If you did that in business, um, you'd be you'd be fired, right? They'd say, you know, what well, merit? certainly,
0: cer- certainly, someone would be coming and going. What what process was undertaken uh, before this deal was agreed? Um, and I don't know what the involvement of the Cronkies is um, in terms of signings. You know, they seemed more involved with the party signing, but you know, were they asked to sign off on? Are they asked to sign off on major signings? And in which case, did they just sign off based on, you know, a a three line email or or was there an attachment with all the with with a full dossier on this sort of stuff? I I don't know. I just
1: just don't see how anybody in in that moment could have said. 250 grand a week for a a 32 year old, I just there's no logical sort of through line. And I know a lot of um, people on the Internet were like, oh, he's a he's a Rolls Royce player. Um, and he's a total professional, but just look at the age. He doesn't care about football anymore. He's staying in London because of his family. Just wants a passport. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think I think overall though today, like let's 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 look at the positives. If we'd had that game against Burnley or Southampton, people would have been saying it's only Burnley and Southampton. Chelsea could have gone second today. They're they've got one of the most expensive uh, squads in the league. And for large parts of that game, we played them off the park. I thought we had the better chances. Um, We pressed. We looked energetic. It was an exciting game. And we held out. I mean, do you think this is the start of something new? Or do you worry that in these next four games, we're going to run back to tight?
0: Well, I think that um, Chelsea have their own problems. Um, I mean, yes, they could have won and gone up to second. But... Uh, I don't think they'd beaten a team in the top half of the table this year, this whole season. They'd had a very kind fixture list for one. Um, Two is their away form. I mean, they've lost. That's their their third away defeat on the bounce. Um, So, you know, that sort of of tempers tempers it a little bit. And then, you know, I think that up until around a month ago, it felt like a lot of stuff was clicking for them. And then the wheels have sort of come off a little bit. And, you know, they've spent a lot of money. And, you know, it just goes to show what an amazing job that Liverpool do. Because the Chelsea signings on paper all looked incredible. You know, we're like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, Havertz, Werner, Chilwell, uh, Mendy. I'm probably missing some. Um, But none of them have really... I mean, Mendy looks pretty solid, but none of them have really hit the ground running. And the player I'm I'm always most impressed with whenever I watch Chelsea is Pulisic. I mean, he's a he's a proper player, isn't he? He's he's, he's better than Hazard at the moment. Um, less good today, but um, you know. So they've spent a lot of money. You know, the, Frank Lampard. I mean, I think that he gets a bit of unfair stick because you know he's a new coach at Chelsea with no budget last year. He got the top four. That's that's an achievement, but they definitely aren't the Chelsea of the, that we sometimes think of, of the Chelsea of old. And this season has been it's a strange season, and I think um, everyone is woefully inconsistent. Uh, it's difficult not to be when everything is when the whole world is so disrupted in this way. That's not to belittle what we achieved, um, but it is to say that they're certainly a team without a little bit of focus at the moment. And they certainly looked to be. I think they thought it was going to be an easy three points today, and you, <laughs> which I thought it was going to be for them as well. But there was definitely an element of complacency. And I'm sure uh, Frank Lampard uh, will have thought that. On a complete side note, what the hell has happened to Frank Lampard physically? I mean, he's rapidly deteriorated. He must be about 40, but he suddenly looks about 55.
1: Yeah, but you, you, have you seen, look back, at, <laughs> look back at pictures of Mikel Arteta. Uh, last yeah. year, a tight face, beautiful skin, and it's all sort of like collapsing in on itself. It's like the the pressure of Premier League football. Doesn't matter how much money you earn, must be fucking. Imagine opening the, the the internet if you're Mikel Arteta and everyone's calling you, uh, you know, uh, Peps fraudulent comb boy. <laughs> must be awful. But you know this this is um this is the thing. Uh, you know, Arteta might have won today, but I think the it it doesn't matter at the moment because that's not going to save him like long-term. Like he's, he's lost. He's basically spent all of his political capital.
0: Yeah. Fans, it's all gone.
1: And it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really difficult for him to get back. You know, even after a 10 game run, it's almost, it's almost going to have to get through to next summer where you see what, what is the true output of what he's learned? Like, is he going to get rid of people? Who's he going to bring in? Is there going to be a structure, a strategy? The thing for me, the most worrying thing about that, um, you know, all of the stuff that's gone on with Vinay backing the two of them, is it's like getting to eighth doesn't prove that the decision to keep Arteta
0: in his job was correct. Well, this is one of my favorite, and we've spoken about this in the past, but I think um, the only way that Mikhail, the only possible path I can see forward for Mikhail now and and hopefully that this prediction comes true William and louise don't come back in or, or are basically just ostracized we somehow put a run together with the youth we somehow pull a a cup win whether it be fa cup or europa out of our ass and then i think the baller move is he's gonna have to he's gonna have to basically uh kill his mum either Vinay or Edu is going to have to be killed by Mikel as a sacrificial lamb, basically to prove that what has happened this season won't happen again. He's going to have to go in and take one of them out. Because if he takes one of them out, he buys some time and they manage to push all of the blame for a lot of the decision-making. And it looks like it's probably going to have to be Edu. So, you know, watch out for some moves. Maybe if, if Mikhail's smart, he'll start um, priming and, you know, take out Edu before, before the summer, maybe he'll um, push for no signings. I mean, no signings in January would be a better move for Mikel. It's less rope to hang himself with. He could then use the leverage of Edu not getting the deals done with the people he wanted in January as something to beat him with, Um, or lack of trust with the technical director or lack of ability to work with someone. Because keeping things as they are, Mikhail won't survive. And I think if he's a if he's a true politician, um he's probably gonna have to have to kill his technical director to survive.
1: Yeah, and um and yeah, exactly. And, and start start making better decisions. I'm I'm really sorry, uh Mikhail, but you you can't leave uh William Saliba uh, and Cal Chambers out of a starting eleven in the league cup uh for mustafi whose agent is in barcelona that's a bad decision your job is to coach if there are problems with Saliba, you make him better you give him a chance in like six of the worst games i've ever seen in, in europe the standard of europe is so bad don't tell me that um Saliba can be getting to cup finals in france but uh, he can't get in against dundalk it's it's absurd but um I, I hope that he's a fast learner. I mean, he's obviously quite a smart guy. The football looked good today, and the, if if he does some coaching, improves some players, and wins the next five games, maybe there's a chance. But I, I, I think the the fall guy has got to be Edu, and nobody has uh, no no nobody should feel bad about that. The person that should be, feel bad about that is Vinai. Vinai sat him on a deck chair on Arsenal.com, and made him tell the world that he was happy about being put at the same level as a rookie coach who'd been in the game six months. Vinai knows. And so does everyone at Arsenal, even the people feeding stories uh, into uh, news publications. Edu should be the one because if we don't get that structure right, no manager is coming in and fixing this properly, I fear.
0: Yep. Yep. All right, mate. And, well, and look, that, that decision was Vinay's decision, right? I mean, yeah. um, he signed off on it. So he's under threat as well. Um, But you know what? Sometimes it's not a bad thing for everyone to be under threat. And um, look, there's only one person who I think the fans have any real loyalty towards, and that's Arteta. Out of the three, I think he would win. I mean, Edu, an invincible. Yeah, great. But, you know, he wasn't Vieira. And that's not to belittle his, his, what he delivered as a player. He was fantastic but you know he wasn't there for that long and he's delivered nothing as a technical director whereas arteta the capital he created and the improvement the narrative that he pushed the fa cup final win which was phenomenal and a real lift to people in a very challenging difficult time um has earned him time and well if it hadn't he'd be gone by now um, so the other two should be should be aware, um, but all three should realise that you know that they're all massively under pressure right now. I don't know if Vinay thinks he's under pressure. No, I, I, I I'm not
1: sure either. I was a little bit worried that Arteta didn't think he was under pressure either, but actually some of the press conferences that I watched, he was seemed to be very aware that the next next week or two was going to be career defining for him. But you know, I'm I'm glad that. We saw some great football at times today. I'm glad that young players give him big chances, uh, stepped up to the plate. Smith Rowe getting an assist on his debut is is phenomenal. Um, and I'm glad that we got a little bit of luck. You know, it wasn't a penalty. Saka didn't mean to shoot and he scored. Um, and, you know, we we held out through some rough patches in the second half, but this this has to be... A stepping stone to the next game and it has to be a blueprint for the future play i mean we've got
0: we've got to get keep martinelli fit it's going to be hard because he constantly looks on the end of bad challenges he's always he just goes at everything so hard um but keeping him fit will be if we can get party fit gabrielle fit uh martinelli fit um, then hopefully we can uh, escape relegation.
1: Yeah, we just need a couple of good signings on loan in January. Get rid of a few players if we can, and then.
0: Do you think we we're going to need... get rid of anyone in January though? I just can't see it.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think that clubs will see the outlook with the vaccine, and I think that there might be a, a little bit of of movement. And I suspect Arsenal at this point will tell players that are causing problems behind the scene, like Mesut Ozil, like Socrates, just say, look, take your free transfer now. Just take it now, like, and we'll get rid of you. I mean, we did it for Mkhitaryan, Um and I think that one of the biggest problems that Mikel has got behind the scenes is he's got all of these very powerful, high-profile players causing problems for him, and they're not even in the squad. What is the point in having Mesut Ozil sit in, going to training every day? If Socrates is a problem behind the scenes, just move him on. Um, so I'm hoping that there's going to be a bit of movement. I just hope that we don't make a really stupid signing like a permanent jacker for uh, Christian Eriksen move or I-, I hope that we don't make an uninspired signing because I love- uh, Thomas Partey is a great hire. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like the hardest one. It wasn't like a smart one. It wasn't like signing a kid from Reading or picking up Wendia or somebody that's, you know, that felt like we'd looked at some data to get to. So I hope that whatever we do feels intelligent and smart and it elevates the squad. And then we just see how it goes, like Chelsea did when they got a transfer ban. Play the kids if they're shit, then we get rid of them next summer and we build again. All right. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, uh, thank you for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next time and then we'll maybe do another one. There's, uh, so we've so we got
0: Brighton up next, right? On Tuesday? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if we could put back to that wins together for the first time, pretty much yeah. since, since the opening few days of the season, that would be a step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, five or six wins on the bounce and then everything looks a little bit better. Uh, just a shame we couldn't have picked this up a little bit earlier. But anyway, Matt, Thank you, thank you for joining. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Um, We'll uh, we'll be back very soon. Ciao for now. Cheers, mate.